Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is not in the greatest mood after his Ravens lost in the playoffs. His name is Brandon Siegel. How you doing? You know, I, uh, it's like a 6 out of 10 today, you know? Always got to attack the day uh, with a positive attitude and enthusiasm unknown to mankind, as uh, my boy Jim Harbaugh would say. But it's definitely, you know, I'm sorrowful today, if that's even a word. You know, it's it's always rough when the Ravens lose. It's you know when that happens because you know they don't win the Super Bowl every year. But when that does happen, I I'm I'm quite sad about it for sure. Um, but of course, as always, we have a good episode planned today. And to introduce our third member of the podcast, we of course have our main contributor Ben O'Brien. Some people would say uh, you know their favorite contributor. I personally would say my least favorite out of all the contributors we have, and he's the only one. Um, so Ben, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. I, I was happy with the Ravens' loss yesterday. Um, not, not because, you know, I want any ill will towards you, Brandon, but as, you know, right. as a Bengals fan, I just, I can't, I can't stand watching all these teams in the Bengals division, uh, do well all the time and the Bengals are always at the bottom. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not super upset. That's all I'll say with the Ravens uh, losing that game. I think my favorite part was watching Justin Tucker miss two field goals. Cause I think he just doubled the amount of misses I've ever seen him, uh, you know, miss in my <laughs> lifetime last night. So it was, it was definitely an interesting game to watch and, um, I'm not too upset with the outcome. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, it's sad. There was a lot of mistakes made, but, you know, maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, But let's start today's episode off with uh, coaching hires in the NFL. We have a lot of them. Uh, A lot of coaches got hired. Um, And to start off, of course, we have Urban Meyer. So Ohio State fans, I don't know if you want to rejoice that he's back to coaching or what. It's a little confusing for me. Um, But, Trevor, what do you think about Urban Meyer? Um, I think it's definitely a very interesting hire. Um, I, you know, I'm looking forward to see seeing how he does. Obviously, Urban Meyer, I, I've known him in, in my lifetime, obviously, as being this incredibly successful coach. Obviously, you know, started off with Utah from what I saw, then Florida, and then obviously uh, There was Ohio a college State. before Utah, a very important one, actually. I, I wasn't, I, I did not witness that, so that's why I didn't I didn't it. witness it either, but it needs to be said. <laughs> he went to, he was at Bowling Green, everyone, don't forget. Urban Meyer, one of That's his first true. places, was yeah. Bowling Green. He was only head coach Obviously, for a year. it's very important. Yes, That's very continue. important, yes. So Urban Meyer, you know, he's been very successful to Florida, to Ohio State, and now um, he's going to be with the Jags. And obviously there's been a lot of people who have been like, oh, are they going to draft uh, Justin Fields now? And I don't really know if he even has that much of a connection to Justin Fields. Maybe, I'm sure at least a little bit. Maybe he was at least had a little bit. Um, of say to maybe you know get him there maybe there's a little bit of part of that but for the most part he you know he never really had that connection obviously since he wasn't the coach when Fields uh, was there so I, I don't think there's much you know really to that I think they'll probably still take Trevor Lawrence um, but it'll be interesting because I think the Jaguars they're they're not as much of a team to me and they have been unsuccessful you know, pretty much most of my lifetime, but I don't see mm-hmm. them as like in the same kind of tiers, like the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, the New, the New York Jets, where they're just like failures, complete failures. I don't think the Jaguars are necessarily, necessarily quite in that tier. Maybe it's because I'm not uh, from the Jacksonville area. Maybe those fans would have something different uh, to say about that. But I think it's going to be fun to see um, how he does, obviously with, uh, you know, assuming Trevor Lawrence comes there and then, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. What, what do you have? What do you think about it? You know, I, I was talking to some of my Ohio State fan friends, and I'm confused as to why, like, they don't take more of an issue with this. 
you know, Urban Meyer said that he was quitting at Ohio State not that long ago. I think there's only been two seasons since he's he was done. And he talked about how, you know, he wanted to leave for health reasons and he think he just wants to take a step away from coaching. And I believe him. I'm not saying that I don't believe him. But then he comes back to coaching two years later. And while he's on his break for health, he's still working. He's broadcasting and stuff. He's, he's traveling around broadcasting. Um, so to me, this makes it seem like he wanted out of Ohio State. Maybe I'm reaching a little bit. Um, but it, it just seems questionable as someone who wants to take a break from coaching and kind of be done with it. Um, that was his reason for leaving Ohio State, comes back two years later to coach an arguably a harder job. You know, head coaching in the NFL is, you know, one of the tougher jobs out there for sure um, in terms of, you know, the work hours and just the mental capacity you have to take to, to you know, be a head coach. You know, there's a lot of wear and tear on a person when they do that. So it's very interesting to me. I, I don't see Ohio State fans upset at all, and I, I personally would have been a little more upset if I was an Ohio State fan, I don't know. Ben, is that a bad take? Am I reaching a little bit? Yeah, Ohio State fans shouldn't be upset, and here's why. And I get what you're saying, Brandon, but and actually I saw this on TV the other day, and I kind of agree with what they were saying. If you think about all the duties of a college head coach, it's extremely stressful because you have to deal with recruiting. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, these are 18-year-old kids that are coming in. It, you're developing young players. In the NFL, I'm not saying it's less stressful or even less demanding or less tough because it is. I mean, it's the average NFL head coach does not last nearly as long as the average college coach. Um, but I just think, especially for Urban Meyer, when he, when he quit at Ohio State because, you know, health reasons, it was a lot, very stressful. He just couldn't handle it. I get why the NFL, he, he feels is better for him because it's a little more, it's, it's a more professional environment where you don't necessarily have to motivate these players. I mean, they're professionals. You're not, you're not getting on them as much as you would at college um, players, these young kids, and you don't have to deal with recruiting. So it's a little different. And again, I'm not saying that it's, it's easier than college or anything like that. I'm saying that for Urban Meyer specifically and you know his his health issues, his mental health issues, his headaches that he was having, I, I can see why maybe being an NFL head coach um, he feels he can do at this point in his life because I do think that it's a little more or a little less demanding um, in certain aspects of, of the game. So I, I, I don't think Ohio State fans should be too upset about it because I get what he's saying, and honestly I kind of agree with him in that sense of Ohio State was a little too stressful for him, he couldn't do it, and I, I can see why he thinks that he can be successful in the NFL. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that's for sure possible. So let's quickly go over um, you know, some other coaching signings. We have Robert Sala going to the Jets. He was the 49ers defensive coordinator. And Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator from the Titans, going over to the Falcons. So any any comments from you guys? Uh, ben, I'll start with you. Any comments on these two coaches um, You know, signing their deals? Yeah, so it's funny. I got, I got a notification when the Jets hired Robert Sala. And um, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I've never heard of this dude. Like, I was like, the Jets just made a stupid hire. I've never heard of this dude. They're 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 still terrible. And then I and then I read it was like the 49ers defensive coordinator, and I was like, oh, it's that bald dude. I know exactly who that is because I remember him from the Super Bowl last year when he was coaching the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So the name I didn't know, but I rec I, I recognized the face, and I, I know him. At, I recognized him as obviously a great defensive coordinator for a, a championship caliber team last year. Um, and I, I actually do think it's a good hire. I, I think it's kind of a 180 from what they had with um, Adam Gase last year because Adam Gase is kind of quirky. He's kind of a weird dude and. Robert Sala's like, he's like a tough dude. He's a defensive-minded coach. I think the players like him. Honestly, he kind of reminds me of like an NFL version of Clemson's defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, where like players love playing for him. He's super intense, but he's also a great coach, and he really can get people motivated to play. So I actually do mm -hmm. think it's a great hire for the Jets, especially, I mean, they, they've been terrible for a really long time. I, I think, obviously, this is not a quick fix. It's going to take a lot of time, but I do think it's a step in the right direction. And as we know, the Jets have had many steps in the wrong direction recently. So I do think this is a good mm -hmm. start for the Jets moving forward. 
Yes. Okay, so let's get into our last topic, because I want to start off with you, Trevor, of small talk. Uh, we had a very big NBA trade. Um, we had uh, the Nets, Rockets, and Cavs three-way trade, and there's so much going on here. I'm going to try to read off the trade from what I have here. Trevor, then I'm going to send it over to you, and I want to hear your thoughts. So the Nets got Harden uh, from the Rockets in a 2024 second-round pick from the Cavs. The Nets gave up Jared Allen, Tuan Prince, uh, and rights to the 57th overall pick from 2017. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. They went to the Cavs. Then they gave up Karis LeVert, uh, Kurgus. Rodinus Kirkus. Again, I'm going to mess up that for sure. Three first-round picks, 2022, 24, and 26, and four first-round pick swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27 to the Rockets. Uh, the Rockets got Levert, Kirkus. Again, messing that one up. Three first-round picks, and then the four pick swaps from the Nets. Dante Exum in the 2022 uh, first-round pick from Milwaukee is going is from the Cavs going to the Rockets. Obviously, the Rockets gave up James Harden. And then, you know, we, we know what the Cavs uh, received and traded based off of the last two ones. So, Trevor, I'm going to hand this one off to you. What do you think about this trade? Are the Nets going to work? Let's hear some of your thoughts. So, um, I think for, for the first, first, let's talk about the Nets piece of this. They get James Harden. Um, they did give up Karis LeVert and obviously Jared Allen and Torian Prince. You know, Jared Allen, a player in particular who I really liked with this Nets team, great shot blocker, really good defender. Um, I, I think that's a, I think that's someone who ideally they would have liked to have kept. Um, I think this is an already bad Nets team defensively um, that may have gotten a little bit worse on the defensive end. Now, obviously, James Harden is one of the best offensive players we have ever seen. Um, certainly in my lifetime, one of the best offensive players I've ever seen. So it's like, okay, they have these three amazing players, um, especially offensively, and then Kevin Durant, to me, is one of the best you know, 12, 15 players of all time. So they have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Um, we know that you know Durant, obviously, is a former MVP. Harden, a former MVP. We have Kyrie who in 2016 hit one of the biggest shots we've ever seen in a finals game uh, in the game seven against the Warriors um, to help them get that win. So, and then you also have obviously the chemistry aspect, which people are going to talk about continuously throughout the season to see how it works out. Um, You know, with Kyrie um, in the past, we've seen him um, kind of subtly throwing his Celtics teammates under the bus a couple years ago. And then we've seen some weird stuff recently. Some people have been a little critical of him. Um, and now the Harden stuff um, that's happened and him kind of forcing his way out of Houston. It's all very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the way it started um, has seemed good, but it's, you know, it's only one game. Obviously Harden, there were clips of him yesterday, kind of like when Kevin Durant was like down on himself for making a bad play. Harden's like clapping, like, no, let's go. Like, let's, like, we we got this. And then, so it seems like Harden has kind of done a little bit of a 180. And I like the, um, I I saw a metaphor that someone used on Twitter. Um, I forget who it was, but it was something about how, like, Harden's on his best behavior right now. And and I forget exactly what they said because it was really funny. But it definitely seems like Harden is on his best behavior. But it's going to be interesting to see. It's, It's kind of hard um, to see how this team won't at least make the Eastern Conference Finals because it really is just an incredible amount of talent. Um, the only issue is the Kyrie stuff has been weird. We don't know like when he's coming back exactly. Um, you know, we don't we don't know what's going on there. But I expect this team to make the Eastern Conference Finals. They may even make the finals, but. I think the Lakers are just too good at the end of the day. Now, just quickly go through some of the other aspects. 
the Karis Levert part of it, we just saw, um, I believe it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, that he is now out indefinitely, I believe, with mm-hmm. uh, an issue with his kidney. So, uh, you know, wish the best for Karis Levert. Hopefully, you know, he can get back soon. Um, you know, so that's unfortunate for the Pacers now. For the Rockets, I actually think that the Rockets could have potentially gotten a better deal. I think that the Philadelphia 76ers had like the the Ben Simmons um, aspect of it, which if they could have gotten Ben Simmons as the 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 front piece instead of Victor Oladipo, I think that was um, a better player to have, and I think that could have been a better trade. So I think the Rockets could have done better, but overall, still they have now a decent amount of picks stacked up, stacked up. They do have, as a lot, a lot of other people have been saying, they have a lot of players with something to prove. Oladipo coming off injury, something to prove. John Wall, same thing, and then Cousins, obviously, with you know he you know four or five years ago was one of the best players in the NBA, mm-hmm. has now fallen to you know nowhere near. So. Players with something to prove um, for the Rockets, for the Nets. Obviously, it's just going to be a fun ride, and it's going to be a roller coaster that I'm going to be happy to watch. Right, right. Ben, any any thoughts on this enormous trade before we head on over to Small Talk Trivia? Yeah, so I have a couple thoughts here, and um, and they're all pertaining to the Nets, okay? So my first thought is what we saw yesterday, or I think it was yesterday, with James Harden, Kevin Durant. All right, it's, it's the honeymoon phase right now, right? Things are going to be cool for the first couple right. games. What I want to see right. is how especially when Kyrie Irving comes back, how they do when, you know, we're getting into the nitty-gritty parts of the NBA season where you're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time, um, you're tired, you're worn out. That's what that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see how they handle themselves when it's been a long season and, you know, the fun of all playing together for the first time is over and it's, it's down to business. Um, the second thought I have on this is, and naturally, this is, I think this is a lot of people's thought is, what does Kyrie Irving think of this? Because Kyrie Irving made a huge deal when he left Cleveland about how he wants to lead his own team. And now all of a sudden he's on the Nets with Kevin Durant. So clearly he's the second best player on that team. And now all of a sudden he's probably the third best player on this team after they acquire James Harden. Um, so Kyrie Irving, I mean, he, he's made a big deal many, many times about how he wants to be a leader, leader of his team. He doesn't want to, you know, just competing for championships with LeBron isn't good enough. He wants to lead his own team. He doesn't want to be the Robin to somebody else's Batman. Um, well, now in the Nets, he's not even Robin. Now he's somebody else, all right? Because Now he's Alfred. Yeah, now he's Alfred because <laughs> you already got a Batman and a Robin. Kyrie Irving's the third wheel now of this relationship. So um, I'm very interested to see. And obviously, Kyrie's had his you know, lot going on recently. We don't really know what, what his deal is. Um, so I'm excited yeah. to see him come back because I want to see how he handles, what his body language is like now that it's pretty clear he's got two dudes that are, that are better than him on his team. Um, and my last thought about this is that I think this is – amazing for the NBA. I think this is so good for the NBA that James Harden goes to the Nets because, at least in my eyes, this makes the Nets like the most hated team. They're like the villain of the NBA at this point because, at least in my eyes, again, this is just in my eyes, you have three players that people don't like how they left their former team, right? You don't, People don't like the way Kyrie left Cleveland. People don't like the way KD left Oklahoma City when he went to the Warriors. And people really don't like the way Harden treated the Rockets moving here. So you kind of have three villains almost all teaming up for this massive super team on the East Coast in New York City. I, I just think it's really good for the NBA. I'm super excited. Um, again, I don't like these players, but I, I I was already excited to watch the Nets. You got um, Steve Nash as their head coach now, and now you have these three studs that are all on the team making this super mega team, villain team. I, I think it's great for the NBA. I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm super excited to see how it plays off, and I, I really hope that that they go far in the playoffs because I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, and I can't wait to see – uh, people's reactions to the Nets moving forward this season. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's going to be very interesting, especially Kyrie Irving, how he treats uh, everything that's going on. Uh, you know, now have Harden. Now, honestly, I mean, 
I love. I think Kyrie's a great player, but he's he's very very selfish, as we know. So how is he going to treat being, you know, that third person on the team to score? You know, he's not going to get the ball when there's five seconds left. It's not going to be in his hands. It's probably going to be in Durant's. So you know, how is he going to handle that um, now with Harden on the team? But let's move on to small talk trivia. Um, of course, this is the segment where Trevor and I ask each other a question. We keep a running tally. Trevor, what is the current scoreboard at the moment? The score is 40-34. to 34. You still maintain the six-point lead, gotcha. but we did both get questions right last week. Yeah. Seems a little bit like a demolishing to me, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, let's let's get to the actual questions today. I, I think I'll start off today. I have a question from, of course, Ben O'Brien, as I do most weeks. Um, so here is the question I am going to offer for you today. And it's just one point. It's pretty s- simple, pretty straightforward. What NFL team has the best winning percentage of all time? So you just got to list a team. Okay. What NFL team has the best winning percentage of all time throughout their whole yeah. franchise? So, you know, yeah. the span of this is whenever their franchise started. Okay. So, um, obviously the teams that come up come to mind right away are like the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 49ers, um, the Patriots, but it's as of late. They were really bad for a while before they became good. Um, you have the Packers, another team that this could possibly be. So my, my, my top options are like the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Niners. I think those four are pretty solid. The Patriots are probably fifth, I think, on that, um, possibly. I'm um, just trying to see if there's any other team that I may have missed. I mean, the Browns obviously were very good in the 50, like the 50s, but, you know, it's it's been a long time since then, and obviously we know that their history the last 20 or so years has been very bad. So I don't think it could be them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's those four options. I think it's between the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Packers. So which one is it? Because I, I don't think it's the Patriots just because – I think before, you know, 2001, I think it was a little bit, I think it was pretty bad. I don't think it it could be the Patriots. So I I think the, the Steelers have consistently been so good, even in our lifetime. Obviously, we, we know the Steelers have won two more Super Bowls um, since we have all been alive. They, I believe in our lifetime, probably have the second best win percentage behind the Patriots. Um, so if they already have one of the best win percentage, win percentages in our lifetime, and they were very good, like throughout the seventies and eighties, I think the Steelers is a really strong option. Uh, the Cowboys is not a bad one either. We know the nineties, eighties, a little bit, very good. I, I think I'm going to go with my gut though. And I think it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's just what, you know, based off of like kind of, you know, doing the math, I guess per se, I think it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, so that's my answer. And your final answer. Yes. So the Steelers rank ninth on here, on on the list wow. that I am currently looking at. Um, on Ben's notes, he had the Packers at 571, but I actually would have also taken the Cowboys because on the list that I'm looking at, there are two teams tied at 569, which is the Packers and Cowboys. So uh, I don't know if, if maybe Ben's information is a little bit wrong or maybe my information is a little bit wrong, but I would have accepted one of those two answers. And you almost had the Cowboys. Um, so no points for you today. Um, it's actually interesting looking at the list. The Steelers are not as high as I thought they'd be. The Patriots are fifth. The Ravens are third. But the Ravens are also the second youngest franchise, and they've played the second fewest games. Um, right. So, yeah, so not I, – I, I thought you would be able to get one of those two teams, but, you know, Steelers, I guess, aren't a bad answer. 
Um, I personally never would have put the Steelers in any sort of winning column ever. So I wouldn't have given that answer. Even if it was right, you know, I'll, I'll live with my morals there. Um, yeah. yeah. So no point for you today, Trevor. I guess I guess I should have known that you wouldn't ask it if the Steelers was the answer. I probably should have I probably should have thought of that piece of it. But you know, it is what it is. All right. Um, my my question has to do with the NBA. Okay. Um, Giannis he has won the past two MVPs in the yeah. NBA regular season, and we know that it's very hard to win three straight. You know, there's there's voter fatigue that's been talked about. You know, and, and in the past, there's been certain players who maybe didn't get it three times in a row for that reason. So my question is, who is the last NBA player that did win three straight MVPs? Three straight MVPs. Um, so as I, I'm trying to think about it, I know, I know LeBron won two straight twice. Um, I mean, I I don't remember if if Jordan won three straight. Off the top of my head, I I don't think in my lifetime anyone has won three straight. Um, I believe Curry had two straight. Obviously, Giannis had two straight. I think LeBron had two straight twice. I know LeBron didn't. I, I don't think LeBron. I, I'm pretty sure it's not LeBron. I feel like I would have known that one if it was LeBron. Ben, do you have a guess? I'm not saying answer for me, but do you have a guess? Well, first of all, I would never give you the answer because I, I'm Team Trevor here all the way. We know this. Um, Honestly, right, I right. don't. This is a hard question. I have no idea. Like you said, I... I I'm pretty like LeBron only got two. It's Curry got two, and Giannis got two. I, um, I really have no idea because, other than recent history, I really have no idea. Like I'm not good at NBA or NBA MVP awards, so I really have no yeah. idea. I mean, unless if you're, unless you're gonna go back to like, um, you know, like like 60s, 70s, 80s, I really I can't help you out there, bro. I'm sorry, I, I got nothing. Yeah. So Ben, it's sad that you like being on the losing team. You know, it just seems like your sports teams are also on the losing side of things. Yeah. But that's again True. neither here nor there. Um, I'm gonna guess Michael Jordan. That's my best guess. I can't remember if he won three in a row. I feel like it's not right, but I don't really have a better guess. I mean, I guess I could say someone like Kareem or Wilt, but I don't. I feel like someone maybe before then would have won or after then would have won three. So I'll just I'll go with Michael Jordan. Okay. Final answer. So the correct answer is not Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, okay. arguably, according to a lot of people, should have. Carl uh, Malone, you know, stole one in there when he could have won three in a row. The correct answer is actually Larry Bird. Larry okay. Bird won three straight MVPs from 1984 to 1986. So that three-year span there. Gotcha. Uh, so that is the correct answer. That is a very good question, and we both t- you know, took a little swing and a miss today. But that is okay. So next segment we have is Randomly Ranked. Randomly Ranked is where we take a completely random topic and rank it. It's very self-explanatory. Today we have a weird one. Very odd one. We are doing types of dip. Now, we have a list in front of us that was made from Ranker.com. Shout out to them. We get a lot of ideas from Ranker. Um, And we're just going to do things on this list. So some people might think that the items that we say are not dips. We're doing stuff that's on this list. You could dip something in them. That's how we're considering it for today. Um, So I'll I'll actually start off today. Um, And at number three, I'm going to go with marinara sauce. And the more I thought about it, the reason I put marinara sauce on here is because I use marinara sauce with a lot of stuff. I use it with grilled cheese because I don't really have tomato soup, so I'll, I'll use marinara sauce. I use it um, with mozzarella sticks. Um, so I think marinara sauce is, is a very solid dip. At number two, I'm going to go with barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce is my favorite sauce. Um, I literally dip everything in it from chicken fingers, onion rings. I've dipped burgers in it. I mean, I, 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 I dip literally everything uh, in barbecue sauce. And number one, I have to go with a thing that's like 
really classified as a dip for number one, and it is something that I love, but it's recently something I've started to like over the past you know, year or two, and that is queso. Queso is so, so good. Ben, I know you don't like this restaurant, but there's a restaurant near me, and I guess it's in Cincinnati too. It's called Condado's. It's a taco place, and they have the greatest queso I have ever tasted. It is phenomenal there. So number one will have to be queso. Trevor, what are your top three favorite dips? Okay, so this this was obviously tough because if we're constituting by dips, it's it's like okay, it gets tricky because there's some things where I just like put it on it, like I'll you know drizzle it over it, or it's just on it. It's not actually dipping, so it made it tough. Um, I like the marinara sauce pick. I actually would have had that as like my number four. I guess that would that would be an okay. honorable mention because marinara sauce is amazing but i don't yeah. necessarily dip it in a lot of things like you could dip fries in it you could dip mozzarella sticks as you mentioned different things like that but i didn't put it in my list number three i will start off with barbecue sauce um i obviously i obviously love chicken um and chicken tenders at you know really any restaurant is is great and there mm-hmm. are other things where you could potentially dip bar uh dip in barbecue sauce as well maybe a burger you know um I, I, barbecue sauce is just so solid. Uh, it, it's very good. I had to put it in my list. Number two, and I think here, I think we we all love Mexican food. I think we like love to have like chips. Um, yeah. And I didn't actually use queso. I went with salsa. And I, I think, think queso is a great pick as well. Um, and queso would have been, you know, that could be another honorable mention because queso is very good. Uh, my favorite Mexican restaurant, El Jalapeno, which is, you know, from around my hometown, they have amazing queso, but even but their salsa is even better. So salsa, I put it number two. And number one, I have to go with um, you know the dip that I use the most. It's the most solid. I think it goes with the most things, and that's buffalo sauce. Buffalo sauce, obviously, like barbecue sauce, is also really good with chicken, but it also could be good with like fries. It could be good with... Um, I, I don't know. It could be good with rice. I don't know if you're dipping it rice and buffalo sauce, but there's a lot of good things you can have, uh, with buffalo sauce. So I think that had to be my number one. Okay. I, I feel like those are three pretty acceptable ones. I personally don't like buffalo sauce, but I feel like collectively you've come up with three good answers today, Trevor. And that's pretty rare for you. You'd only come up with like three out of three bad answers, but that's okay. Today, today you, you, I believe you've come up with some good answers. All right, Ben, what are your top three favorite dips? Yeah, so um, this, is a t- this is a tough category, and there's a lot of ones that I had to yeah. leave off because I – I mean, obviously, I can only have three. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of sauces that I feel bad leaving off, but I just had to. They didn't make the cut. Um, my number three, I put buffalo sauce. And while I use buffalo sauce the most out of any of the three on my list, um, I, I just feel like if we're talking in general which one's the best – I, 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 not, not everyone loves buffalo sauce. So I feel like for me, obviously I love buffalo sauce, but I didn't want to put that at my number one or my number two, because I just think in general, it's not widely as accepted as maybe Trevor or I would, um, have it because I, I love, I put buffalo sauce and everything, but I understand why people wouldn't like it. So I put it at number three. I, I think it's quality, but I, I just felt like it didn't deserve my top two. My number two is queso. Um, Brandon knows I, I love queso. Um, it, yep. it, I mean, it's, it's just so you can put it on. I mean, I, I've put it on, you can put it on tacos. I've had it on quesadillas. There's so many yep. different things you can put on. You can dip uh, chips in it. Um, it really is just so good. And I will say the best queso I've ever had is actually in Cleveland, Ohio. And I will shout out Cleveland, Ohio. I hate Cleveland. 
Um, oh, it's from Barrio. But isn't it, it is. It's it's from Barrio. And actually, Brandon, I was going to ask you because I forgot what the uh, what the name of the restaurant was. But it's Barrio, and it's probably the best queso I've ever Barrio had. Barrio is good queso. Um, I, I, I it's Very been good. probably two years since I've had it, and I still vividly remember like the container it came in. It was just so good. I love that queso. Yeah. Well, just come to, come visit Cleveland, Ben, and we'll, we'll be able to go get some Barrio queso. <sighs> I could, but I just I don't I don't know if if going to see you is worth is worth the queso. I just I don't know if it is, but. <laughs> Um, anyway, moving on. My number one, I agree with Trevor. I, I put salsa on my list because I, I think salsa option. is the most widely accepted. Um, and the reason I put it in my thought process here was I was thinking when, you know, when I'm at a friend's house, um, very rarely do will we all eat the same thing. But I will say salsa, for whatever reason, is the one thing where if somebody puts salsa in front of however many people are at, at a gathering, usually, a usually everybody is cool with eating salsa. I mean, salsa is really one of the only things where you'll have 10 people reach in and start eating at the same time. I feel like there's very few other dips or even foods in general where you can have a large amount of people that are all um, cool with eating eating it because people are picking in different preferences. But I do think most people generally like salsa and they're cool with it. So I had to put salsa at my number one. Yes. I think both you guys had very, very good options today for your favorite dips. Um, but let's get on to some of our main topics. So we're going to start in college football. We're going to wrap up college football for the year, which is quite sad. Um, but we had the national championship game on Monday, Alabama versus Ohio State. Alabama won 52-24. to um, And like I said on the podcast, it was a win-win scenario for me. Either Ohio State loses or I'm right. Um, so it ended up being that Ohio State lost. Um, and, you know, I want to get I want to hear all you guys' thoughts on this game. Uh, ben, I'm going to start with you. Alabama, Ohio State, you know, we see Justin Fields did not play as the world's greatest game. We see Mac Jones play a pretty amazing game. Devontae Smith, 200-plus yards, three touchdowns. So uh, what are some of your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so when I said, when we previewed it last week, I said, um, I was only picked Alabama to win. Um, and I get it. Like, Ohio State played well in the, in the Sugar Bowl. It, it was hard. If they played that well, it was hard for anybody to beat them. But And I said last week that Alabama's just, I mean, they're just on a different level. They have the best running back in college football, in my opinion. They have clearly the best player and the best wide receiver in college football in Devontae Smith. And they have probably the most efficient quarterback in college football. Actually, he just broke the record. Uh, the record that lasted for one year for best QBR in a season by a college quarterback. Joe Burrow had it last year. Mac Jones just beat it. Um, so you have the most efficient quarterback in college football history, at least for this past season. So, I mean, it's just hard to beat a team that has all those things going for them. And I said Alabama would win by at least 10 points. They won by way more points than I thought they'd win by. I thought Ohio State would make it a game. I was hoping Ohio State would make it a game. Um, but it was clear. It was just clear that Alabama had the best team. They probably had the best team all year. Um, Nick Saban, in all his interviews, he kept talking about how this year – the best team is going to be the team that kind of handles all the adversity and kind of just rolls with the punches. And I think it's pretty clear, and it's fitting that a Nick Saban team would be the best team in a season like this because Nick Saban teams are usually one of the most well-disciplined teams. They do everything right. They do everything that they need to do well enough to win games. Um, and it makes sense why Nick Saban's probably the greatest college football coach of all time. He's one of the best recruiters of all time. And he's got a real juggernaut here in Alabama that's really not going to end until he retires. So... Um, again, it's not surprising. Ohio State, Justin Fields is still amazing. He's still great. He'll still be um, easily a first-round draft pick, probably a top-ten mm-hmm. pick. But I just – I mean, Ohio State had a great team. But it's just – I don't think anybody would have beaten this Alabama team. It was just too good. They were too unstoppable. Yeah. Trevor, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I, I think the first part of it is – and, yeah, I did pick Ohio State. I really – just completely for me, it was a coin toss. Like, I really didn't know. On paper, I, I always did kind of think that Alabama was better. Um, but you know, we, we've seen that before. We saw that, uh, when they played, when Ezekiel Elliott went off and Ohio state beat Alabama anyway, when Alabama was the better team on paper in that game. Um, so I thought that would happen again. It didn't, uh, it seemed like 
one of the pieces that kind of, you know, helped to build toward this was, you know, the COVID stuff. There were some players that were out for Ohio State. And then pretty early in the game, we saw Trey Sermon uh, get hurt. And then he was out for uh, the rest of the game. And obviously the, the Justin Fields thing. I But I think regardless, uh, Ohio State would have lost. Even if all of those things weren't true, even if they were fully healthy, I still think Alabama would have won. And that's that's not something that I totally saw, I guess. Um, and, and it just, again, proves how good this Alabama team was. I mean, Devontae Smith, he, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said. He's incredible. Um, and, and Mac Jones really just, I mean, he, he has like such an amazing offense around him. And he also, I'm not, I'm not trying to like take anything away from Mac Jones. I think he's a good quarterback, but just when you have that offensive line, you have that receiving core, you have that running back. I mean, it's incredible. You're you're set up for such great success, and he played very well. Uh, 98 QBR, and it was just like, uh, just a complete like, you know, complete clinic put on by Alabama. They played very well, and it just seemed like a domino effect. Once those injuries started to happen, Trey Sermon goes out. It just kind of built and built, and you could tell that. Ohio State was going to have to score a touchdown like every time down if they had any chance of winning because Alabama could not be stopped. They put up 52 points, and if they needed to, they might even have been able to put up 59 or even more. So it was you know, just one of those games for Alabama. And we see year after year, Alabama is just so good. They recruit so well. And I think that's part of why uh, my interest in college football has gone down a little bit. But, you know... It, Still, I think we did get some good games. Um, I still really enjoyed that Ohio State-Clemson game we got. And yeah. uh, hopefully we'll see a little bit more parity next season. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. You know, it's, it, I think it was a good closing this season. We had a team that really deserved to win-win. I think we had two deserving teams in the championship. So that's always good to see. Let's get to our final topic today, which is the NFL. Um, and I'm going to start off with some games that happened last week. And we'll, we'll go a little bit into some games that are going to happen. Um, and let's start off with the Browns and Steelers, and I, I have really just one quick thing to say. The Steelers are really bad. They are terrible. I mean, they were they were eleven and zero, and in their last six game or yeah six games, they went one and five. And it's not like they played like the world's greatest teams in those games. You know, they played the Browns, they played the Colts, who aren't bad, um, but they got destroyed. I mean, if you look at the Ravens games, they barely beat the Ravens with almost no players on the team. So I'm I, I the Steelers might have to do almost a complete restart. It seems like obviously Ben is at the end of his career. They got to get a quarterback. I mean they need someone who's going to be the future. Mason Rudolph is not going to be that person. Um, so Ben, I'll throw this over to you first. Browns Steelers, any thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean obviously the Browns were the way better team, and I agree with you, Brandon. I I remember texting multiple people maybe halfway through the seasons telling people that this Steelers team might be like the worst eight no team I've ever seen in my entire life because they hadn't played anybody. Yeah. Their schedule was terrible. Yeah. They didn't even look super impressive against a lot of these teams. So I, I, obviously I'm surprised of the outcome. I'm not surprised that I that they lost in the first round, but I'm surprised that they got destroyed by the Browns in the first round. And the, I mean, the Browns were the better team. The Browns are a good team. I'm not afraid to say that. I don't like saying that. But the Browns are a good football team. I mean, they're clearly yeah. a playoff team. They deserve that win. They were way better. They kicked uh, Pittsburgh in the mouth. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say. Baker Mayfield, again, I'm not super high on Baker Mayfield, but I, I, he's had a great year. I can't. I mean, I can't hate that. Um, so again, I mean, it, it, it was a, it wasn't even a fun game to watch. So that's the thing. I, I wish it was closer because I wanted, I wanted to watch it. I wanted it to be a fun game to watch. And while watching the Steelers lose by a billion points to anybody is obviously fun, it just wasn't super entertaining. But again, the Browns were the better team. They deserved the win. Um, I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's that easy. That's all I gotta say. 
So, Trevor, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Ravens and Titans. Ravens won 20-13, completely shutting down Derrick Henry. Held him to, I think, 41 yards. Uh, give me some of your thoughts on this game. Well, I want to touch on the Brown Steelers real right, quick. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, just because I want to be a little, like, uh, offset. Um, I, I want to offset it a little bit. I, I do... I think for overall, I agree with what you guys said about the Steelers. They were over... I don't know if they're necessarily overrated, but their record didn't show um, how like what they truly were. I agree. Um, and I think mid-season, when we did our quarterback rankings, I think I put Ben Roethlisberger like number nine, and I was like trying to... I, I, you know, I've never been a believer in Ben Roethlisberger. I've never really thought he was all that great. And it seemed like... He, you know, especially with all the injuries, I never, I, I just thought he would never be even like a somewhat decent quarterback again. And it seemed like through eight weeks, he had proved me wrong. And so I was like, all right, Ben Roethlisberger, you've proved me wrong. I'm putting you in the top 10. You're doing so well. And then we get his first playoff game against the Browns. And he just completely just was horrible. He threw four interceptions. I mean, I, I can't believe how bad Ben Roethlisberger was in this game. I didn't totally expect it. Um, but, you know, looking back on it, it, it kind of seems like overall that my feelings were a little right about mm-hmm. it, you know, be, before the season started. Um, and then from the Browns aspect, yes, there were a lot of things that just went really wrong for the Steelers. And if they hadn't, the Browns may have lost this game. And yes, I, I understand that. But at the same time, I think you have to give Baker Mayfield some credit for how he played in this game, given that it was his first playoff game, played very well, didn't make any mistakes. I mean, and, and yeah, he doesn't do anything like exceptional. He's not out here like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers slinging these side passes or throwing these deep bombs, but he didn't make really any mistakes this game. He played very well, uh, you know, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 263 yards. So I think you got to give him credit for that. And it seemed like there was a lot of talk about like, oh, did Stefanski, was he like, you know, texting from, you know, his basement or something? There might have been a little bit with that. But also I think like kind of the stuff, stuff that they probably set up, um, you know, like the first 10 or 15 plays that they set up offensively, they were kind of able to, put that in there and kind of, I think Stefanski did have a little bit of effect still. And I think this maybe even proves even further that he should be coach of the year. So to me, it was a fun game. Um, Obviously not a good game for Steelers. Um, And I I think it's just historic for the Browns. I think it's all, it's really, you know, can be said. And I think it was also just like a cherry on top. Like if you're a Browns fan, you should have already been so happy that they just made the playoffs. But then this, it's just like sprinkles, you know, and, you know, with the Chiefs, whatever happens today, you know, it is what it is. You got to be happy with whatever the result is today. Now with the Ravens Titans, I'll go quick on this one. To me, I just really thought that um, neither of these teams like stood out. I thought the Ravens defense really, as they've gotten healthier, um, has been back to kind of what maybe we thought it would be. Um, we didn't get to see it earlier with some of the injuries, some of the COVID stuff, but it seemed like this defense is now one of the best five in the NFL, I would say. I think their defense is very good. So that stood out against a really good Titans offense. They pretty much, they kind of shut Derrick Henry down, which I didn't think was possible. So that was impressive. Um, Lamar played well, other than that interception um, he kind of turned it around and the defense helped to kind of, you know, limit the Titans. And then obviously, uh, these fourth down calls, the, these calls where they decide to punt, which we haven't really gotten to talk about, um, that stood out from, 
a few of these games where teams are just deciding to punt and it's yeah, like it's bad uh, you know so cowardly i don't know if you follow the uh, most cowardly punts on twitter um i love that account <laughs> how it points out like the percentages but yeah you know the ravens did play well overall but it wasn't like super impressive yeah, so I, I'm going to talk about kind of both Ravens games, you know, together. Um, you know, you, you said a lot of what I would say about the Titans game. The Titans could have, you know, they shouldn't have punted there. That was stupid. And, you know, Lamar, again, he played he, he played fine. You know, nothing amazing, but nothing bad at all. And we look at this past game, and this was not Lamar's best football game of all time. He made some bad passes, but I think, you know, there's more to it than that. The run game couldn't get established. Um, I think the defense played well. You know, 17 points for Buffalo, who scores a lot more than 17 normally, is pretty good. You know, they did their best against Diggs and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's a tough opponent. I'm I'm, I'm not, like, unhappy the Bills won because I like the Bills. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's there's got to be some improvements for the, the, the following year for Lamar. Um, it's going to be very, very important uh, to see you know, how he plays this next year and how much more he can improve uh, from there. So let's get into... Um, the Packers-Rams. I want to talk a little bit about that. And Trevor, I'm going to start with you with the Packers and Rams game. Give me some of your thought on the pack, thoughts on the Packers. I, I think they're looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah, the Packers are looking very good. I mean, this is a Rams defense that, you know, has looked really scary against the Seahawks. They've looked very good for the majority of the year. And even with a quarterback like Jared Goff, who's inconsistent, it seemed like maybe the Rams mm-hmm. could potentially upset the Packers. Um, there's at least a chance but no, it didn't happen. The Packers won this game by two touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was fantastic, as he has been all year. He should be that yeah. MP. Aaron Jones had a couple breakaway runs. He He's, you know, I think one of the top running backs um, in the NFL, and obviously is a very good offensive line. And, and with the offensive line, I've seen so many plays where it seemed like they did just enough. Um, the Rams, to me, they're the best defense in the NFL. They have an awesome offensive line we, or defensive line. We know how good Aaron Donald is. But the Packers would do just enough to like give Rodgers enough time to throw. And even if um, he didn't you know, see anyone, obviously we know what, Roger, what Rodgers is capable as far as you know, scrambling out of the pocket, doing things with his legs. Um, he's capable of doing that. And because of that, the Packers' offense didn't really have a ton of trouble. I mean, still putting up 32 points. Uh, Devontae Adams has been just incredible. And I don't even think the Rams offense played that bad. I just think that the Packers are really looking good. They're they're kind of uh, peaking, I think, at the right time right now. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. The Packers have a real shot at winning it all this year. 100%. Okay, to wrap up the episode here, guys, let's predict the next two games um, that are happening today. So, Ben... Browns, Chiefs, Buccaneers, Saints, who wins? Man, so Browns, Chiefs, I I don't know. I, I think most people would assume that the Chiefs are going to win by a lot. I think the spread's like 9.5 or 10 points right around their double digits. 9.5. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I'm a big believer in when you're playing well at the right time, it's good for you. The Browns looked good last week. I think they'll look good enough today. I still just think the Chiefs are the better team. Uh, I think the Chiefs win that game. I actually do think they'll cover. I think they'll win by at least 10 points. Um, Saints Bucks. I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I keep telling people it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. Two times in one season is hard enough. It's really hard for the Saints to have to beat the Buccaneers three times in one season, especially when that team that you're beating three times is Tom Brady. Now I'm going to tra- contradict everything I said. I still think the Saints are better. I'm still picking the Saints to win this game, but I just wanted to make that clear that I do not think it'll be a blow. I think the Saints are going to struggle, but I do think that they're the better team. I think that they will prevail. 
Ben, I love everything about your analyst theory. You know, I keep on saying the Browns suck. They aren't good. And um, I definitely don't think they're quite as good as their record, but they've proven to me that they are a good football team. And the Chiefs have had trouble with some good teams in the past um, and some bad teams. So I, I agree with everything you said. I think the Saints will win, and I think the Chiefs will also win and will cover. But, you know, I, I look to see an impressive performance by the Browns today. I really do believe that. And I think they do have a good chance to win. It's not that far off at all. Trevor, predicting the uh, the final two games. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we I think all three of us kind of thought, or I know I did, I thought we were going to get the Bills and Chiefs, even though we've seen in past years when you expect those one and two seeds to get there, it, it doesn't happen as much as you would think. Um, but I think it's going to happen. I, it's really hard to imagine that the Browns could have, you know, just the, these crazy circumstances happen similar to last week. Like the Browns need, like they need one like fumbled punt that they jump on in the end zone. They need like a tip pass or something. They, they're going to need like four hey, how or their five of those gone? plays. How their season's gone, that's not far-fetched. I mean, they've, they've gotten it's... a lot of lucky bounces this season. Yeah, I think they've had some lucky bounces, but it, it's just hard to imagine. We saw even last year in the playoffs when the Texans had that lead uh, on the Titans. The Titans just, or I mean, not the Titans, the Chiefs obviously ended up beating them. I think it was like 51-31, so they can turn on any moment. I don't see yeah. any way that the Browns can win. And then with the, the Bucks saints I've been saying this for weeks now. I think the Saints are the toughest team for this for the Bucks to beat. I think it's just kind of a bad matchup. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that the Bucks don't have a chance. They do, but you know the Bucks. Tom Brady's going to have to get the ball out quick because uh, the Saints have a really good pass rush. It's similar to like with the Rams situation, mm-hmm. um, but the offensive line has been playing better. So I'm hoping that the protection is good today. We will see what happens with that. And then I've been concerned about the secondary for weeks with the Bucks. However, Breeze, you know, the deep ball, it hasn't been as much of a threat as we've seen with Breeze throughout his career. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be really tough. That's what I'll say. I won't, I won't make an outright prediction because I don't like doing that with my teams yeah. um, or, or, you know, Tom Brady or Dwayne Wade, whoever it is. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Of course. So I think we'll wrap up our episode there for today. Uh, thank you all so much for all the support on this podcast and our podcast as a whole. Of course, follow the Small Ballers on Twitter. That's our podcast network. We currently have three podcasts active. This one comes out on Sunday. We have uh, the 12th Row Podcast, which I believe will be coming out on Wednesdays. and Or maybe that is Thursdays, too. I think it's Wednesdays, though. And, of course, we have the 5 Seconds of Fame podcast covering The Bachelor, which is going to be coming out on Thursdays, which is with the three of us. So subscribe to all those. Leave five-star reviews if you enjoy them. Um, and, of course, check us out on Twitter. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons!